1: Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
2: Well, NBA
1: fans, the wait is over. NBA basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MANIX. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for just betting $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MANIX. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It is Three Points with Chris Maddox, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. The show, where we talk about three of the biggest topics in the NBA right now. Ben Goliver, senior NBA writer over at the Washington Post. He joins me. And Ben, it's a three-topic show, but it's really a one-topic show. It's James Harden. The deal is done. James Harden headed from Philadelphia to the Los Angeles Clippers. And my first takeaway from all this, Ben, is big win. For the 76ers. Big win for Daryl Morey. I, I don't want to overstate it, but to get two first round picks back for a guy that didn't want to be there, that had already pulled two holdouts in the last three weeks, who, you know, was at least a threat to go full Costanza on the Sixers during the regular season, disrupting what look like a pretty good thing happening in Philadelphia right now. Tyrese Maxey coming off a player of the week, the first week of the season, Joel Embiid. His number's actually better than Tyrese Maxey in this past week. And you've got some good things happening right now in Philadelphia. Now they do a deal that gets them two first-round picks back in return. So let's start there. Uh, What do you make of what Philadelphia was able to get for James Harden? No, you hit it
3: on the head. There's not a lot of leverage there when James Harden's applying all this pressure and I also think Philadelphia faced some pressure just from the standards set by the Damian Lillard trade and the True Holiday trade, right? Those create some obvious comparison points. If you've got a player like James Harden and you're trying to trade him, you're going to want to get something back that's similar to True Holiday. Maybe not quite as good as Damian Lillard, but you mentioned it. Two first-round picks. There's also some swaps, some future second-round picks involved, and also three pretty big expiring contracts, which could wind up getting flipped at some point. Uh, going forward at the deadline to you know get some more assets as Philadelphia tries to retool around Joel Embiid and, and Tyrese Maxey. I think it provides a real clear definition for Philadelphia. They have the money to pay Maxey next summer. He's going to need a big bag. He's going to have a breakout season. There's no question about it. He's probably the single biggest winner of this entire deal because he gets the ball, he gets the shots, and he's going to get the big payday next summer as well. But they're going to be, uh, you know, big players next summer potentially in free agency as well. If they don't trade those expiring contracts and they just let them come off the books, and they have some flexibility, so I think Daryl Morey did very well here to kind of save face after backing himself into a corner. Uh, you can look at, you know, at the entire experience and say, well, was it really a win or a loss for Philadelphia? The James Harden era—they never make the conference finals. Very disappointing ending against the Boston Celtics in last year's second round but they're able to get out of it. They just kind of snuck out just like they did with Ben Simmons two years ago.
1: Yeah, and look, the next question obviously is what does Joel Embiid think of all this? And Joel is going to tell us in the days uh, to come, no question. Um, But I would imagine that he's happy, but not fully happy, if that makes any sense. Like Joel Embiid, I'm sure, is glad that this saga is over, that he's not having to sit up there after every practice and every game and talk about James Harden, that it's not going to be the topic every day for the, you know, newspapers outlet websites in, in Philadelphia. That being said, you yeah, know, I did on the court, they got some decent role players. I think Marcus Morris is going to be invigorated being back home playing in Philadelphia. He wanted out of LA. Like I wrote this a couple of weeks ago, Ben, like players in that Clippers locker room can count to 35.6 million. They know that if James <laughs> Harden is coming in, some of them are going out and Marcus Morris knew he was, you know, prime target. Number one, uh, to ultimately get moving. I think they'll get an invigorated version of him. Robert Collington is fine. Nick Batum is fine. I think the Sixers will miss P.J. Tucker because he was a pretty good defender against guys like Dallas DeCumpo, Jason Tatum, whatnot. Uh, but I think, you know, from that end, it's, it's in a way a wash. It's what the Sixers do with this draft capital. And that, to me, is the most fascinating part of all this because now the Sixers are armed with two first-round draft picks, two pretty appealing first-round draft picks. The 2026 pick... I'd have to go check my notes on like which pick that is. Like the lesser of like three draft picks. I don't know. Twenty twenty eight pick is the Clippers pick, and that's incredibly valuable because nobody really knows what the Clippers going to look like. I, it, forget twenty twenty eight. Like next year, you know four fifths of their starting lineup can be a free agent next summer, so you know they can. They've got a lot of questions to answer. But that twenty twenty pick, when you put it on the market, is going to be a coveted pick, and I think that's going to give them. Some opportunities. I wrote about this earlier in the day on Tuesday. I think Zach Levine is going to be a target of theirs. That would give them another ball handler, which I think they need because right now it's Maxi and like nobody else, you know, handling the ball in that backcourt. Um, he's also a proven scorer in this league, and I think he'd play really well with Joel Embiid behind him. Really has never had a shot blocker playing behind him, so think like that would be uh, an asset for him. And I think OG Ananobi is someone to keep an eye on too because OG. Uh, in addition to being shopped by Toronto for the better part of you know, the last year plus uh, it's on a team that right now stinks. Like the Raptors are bad and he's an expiring contract too. So there might be some motivation from Toronto to move it. And if you're Philadelphia, yeah, there's appeal to Ananobi because to get to the finals in the Eastern conference, uh, through the Eastern conference, you got to defend Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You got to defend Giannis Tendekunpo and Chris Middleton. Uh, you need wing defenders, and OG Ananobi uh, is that. So I'm very interested to see where the Sixers turn with this draft capital. Where else do you think they might look as they try to build out this roster the rest of the season?
3: Well, there's not a ton of superstar-level talent out there. I feel like they're kind of at a similar uh, pivot point to the Portland Trailblazers, say, 12 months ago, where the mission is to try to build a contender around your superstar-level guy. That was Damian Lillard in Portland. Now it's Joe Embiid here. In Philadelphia, but if you can't find the right deal, if you can't swing for the fences and get like a clear co-star type guy, at that point you have to wonder what does Embiid think of these uh, scenarios you're presenting? Zach Levine, uh, OG Ananobi, are those guys that he believes he wants to spend the remaining uh, you know of his prime years with those guys trying to keep up with Boston and Milwaukee because this is an arms race. You know these guys are are getting big weapons: Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis. You know they're all. You know, showing out here early in the season. If you're Embiid, you're just trying to say, like, who's still going to be with me in 12 months? Because it's been just such a circular ride here. And you also have to wonder if he starts to look around and say, I wonder where I could try to, like, you know, create a team-up scenario. Could I go to the New York Knicks? Could I go back and reunite with Jimmy Butler down with the Miami Heat? I mean, we get get some juicy stuff, uh, you know, percolating if we wanted to talk about it. So. I are think, those you know,
1: the, Ben? Are those better? Like the Knicks look. I mean, it's three games in, but the Knicks look dreadful. Like they like Julius right. Randle's having like the every other year Julius Randle to start the season. <laughs> the offense in yeah. general has not been very good. Jalen Brunson, I, I think his three point percentage is ten points higher than his shooting percentage at this point. Like yeah. I, I look at the Knicks and like if Joel Embiid gets traded there and stuff would have to come back from New York. I mean, I don't know if they're better. The Heat. Yeah, look, they're highly competitive, but Jimmy Butler's 34, going to be 35 next season. That's an aging team as well. I actually think, Ben, that if you can get – let's use Levine as an example. That's a big contract to take on for a guy with a history of knee injuries. But if you're getting Zach Levine back, Zach Levine, Tyrese Maxey, and Joel Embiid, that's a pretty good big three. It's maybe not as sexy as you know Tatum Brown, Drew Holiday, or Porzingis, whatever you want to plug into that mix, Giannis Lillard Middleton – sexier but like Joel Embiid's still the reigning mvp tyrese maxi if he's not an all-star this year he's like that just below he just misses player number right. 15 or 16 whatever it is that they they take that year i think you got to be like i don't th- to, to borrow a, a terrible phrase i don't think you can let like what is it uh perfection be the uh, obstacle to good right like that's a yeah. really good team i think philadelphia could assemble if they can get one of those second tier stars well, it
3: comes down to is really good, good enough for Joel Embiid, and to this point of his career, it has been right. He hasn't been this guy who's the orchestrator like LeBron or Kevin Durant, who's trying to you know come up with his own career arc and navigating to you know different markets and try to put together super teams. That really hasn't been him. He's been more or less happy being in the process there in Philadelphia, but uh, he has now gone through the Jimmy Butler era, the uh, Ben Simmons era, the James Harden era. And so far, he hasn't asked out. It's amazing. He's more patient than me. I think I probably would have asked out at this point, you know. But you know, maybe Tyrese Maxey winds up being the the electricity and the fun that they need to kind of keep this thing going. I look at this idea of a Zach Levine. Um, clearly, it would be a better fit now that Harden's not in the mix because you have more shots and touches available for that guy to come in. But. I don't look at him as a big time, like two way impact making type of guy. He's a good scorer. He would help take some of the burden off of Embiid, especially in the playoffs, late in games where Philadelphia has kind of struggled in those moments. I think Levine would be able to help in those spots. But again, I don't see that being a, a championship core at any point here in the near future. And I guess, you know, it just, you know, we can't really look inside Joel Embiid's heart, right? But I think a lot of guys hit this point of their career, they're the MVP. Uh, They've kind of done everything they could possibly do with their current group, and they say, all right, I've taken this as far as it goes. I need to find somewhere else that gives me a marginally better chance. I need to get some real uh, superstar team-ups going on, and we'll see if he gets there by next summer. But uh, I do think there's going to be a relief factor, right? When a guy checks out on your team, like James Harden checked out on Joel Embiid in the Philadelphia 76ers, you might like him off the court. You might respect his place in NBA history, but typically you just want that guy gone, right? You just want to remove yourself from that environment and uh, you know, kind of get the relief effect. I'll bet you Nick Nurse is sleeping good at night. I'll bet you that. You know, he's probably feeling great right now because his life got a lot easier. So I think in the short term, Philadelphia, you know, they could easily have a nice little run here, a nice little boost, uh, just off of the vibes improvement of not having to deal with this.
1: I think Embiid's beat's dying to win a championship in philadelphia i mean he's the process like he's dying to win a championship in philadelphia and look this is an incredibly important like nine month stretch because one of the options the sixers are going to have is to just do nothing right like hope that this group uh stays healthy maybe they catch a break or two in the playoffs they can do something and then next summer they got at least 50 million dollars in cap space they can use Ben. And there are some guys out there. I mean, like I keep looking at Clay Thompson in golden state. And if I'm going to be a betting man, I'm going to say clay winds up with the warriors for the rest of his career. But is that, would anyone look better in Philadelphia than clay Thompson, a shooter, a still pretty good defender. And a guy with championship experience, would anybody fit better off of, you know, Tyrese maxi and Joel Embiid, than clay Thompson. There's all those other guys. Like, you know, Ananobi gonna be a free agent, Pascal Siakam going to be a free agent, uh, DeMar DeRozan going to be a free agent. Like the the Sixers could probably sell Joel Embiid on standing pat, you know, I don't want to call it a gap year, but taking kind of a year where you're good but not championship good. And then next summer, use all that cap flexibility you gained to go sign that next star. Um Let's talk about the. Oh, go ahead. You got some. No, I was to say, real
3: quick on that point, you know, you look back at last summer, Chris, there were no contending type teams or teams that had big time, you know, elite players like an Embiid who had cap space, right? Fred Van Vliet has to go to Houston because no one mm-hmm. else has spending power. It would be a very unique situation for Philly to not only have this kind of core that's a playoff core, right, with a clear direction going that way, but also to have the flexibility financially to add a big time player. If you put Pascal and Siakam in Philadelphia, now I'm getting excited, okay? Because I think that would be a better role for him. I think he'd fit well with that Uh Great defensive front line and some scoring, too. So now we're starting to get somewhere, I think, if, if you're trying to dream for Philadelphia. I like where you're going.
1: Hey, Pascal Siakam already won a championship as the de facto third option on a team. And, you know, they wouldn't have won a championship in Toronto without Pascal Siakam playing the way he did uh, in the finals. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about Let's talk about the Clippers, Uh, the Clippers, you know, days before the start of the season, they put it out there that they are backing off the James Harden, uh, you know, talk with Philadelphia. Uh, They go two and one to start the season and they pull the trigger. They get an extra first round draft pick. They do some maneuvering with Oklahoma City. Uh, I guess the question is, did the Clippers give up too much for James Harden or was this a deal that you thought they needed to do? I thought
3: it was too much. I mean, honestly, like I, I guess I understand why they did it. But when you're looking at James Harden, we have to talk about him as a flight risk next summer. You mentioned all the free agents they have. But what about Harden just souring on your situation in nine months like he did in Brooklyn, like he did in Philadelphia? And then now you're stuck with you know no real future, all these draft picks you just sent out um, years and years into the future. And you're saying, well, what do we have to show for this? Right? That's why I thought the price that Daryl Morey was going to be able to get back was actually going to be lower than what he got just because of the contract factor and because of this idea that Harden does still want to get paid. He wants one more payday that he hasn't been able to get these last couple summers. And, uh, you know, he's willing to go kind of anywhere to get it. And I think that should make uh, Clippers fans a little bit nervous, right? You want this honeymoon period. And there's always a honeymoon period. The first couple months are great with James Harden. But you want that to extend past just this year if you're going to give up all that draft capital. The other thing that I think is so interesting with this uh, L.A. Clippers group, you're talking about four future Hall of Famers, right? Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. I think the real leader of this team is going to be P.J. Tucker, man. Kawhi Leonard doesn't use his voice. Paul George, to me, has always kind of been more comfortable in that number two uh, role. Russell Westbrook, I'm not sure, you know, in playoff games, is he going to be closing? Is he really going to be a guy you trust in those moments? And then James Harden, I think you're up a creek if he winds up being your dominant personality, right? The one guy who has kind of like been in the trenches uh, recently in these playoffs and, and has had big impact over these last couple of years has been P.J. Tucker. And he's got a loud voice. He wasn't afraid to use it with a player like Joel Embiid last year during the playoffs. And I can kind of see him almost out of nowhere winding up being sort of the heart and soul of this group. And I think the Clippers, honestly, they need a little bit more heart and soul here these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be even more than heart and soul because, look, he can credibly guard Nikola Jokic, you know, gives up a lot of hype, but certainly has the muscle to do it. We've seen him defend Kevin Durant in the postseason. Uh, so he's going to be deployed. I mean, the guy's like almost 40, but he's still going to be deployed yeah. as a defensive weapon uh, out there with the Clippers. And Jokic, and
3: Jokic kills those guys, too. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like it kills, he has owned another... the Clippers. They They
1: need help. It's another body you can you can put on him in a postseason series. Um, look, I I don't know they did give up too much because they didn't want to do this right. Like this was about as transparent a process as we could have hoped for. <laughs> we, we knew right. that the Sixers wanted either two first round picks or a first round pick and Terrence Mann. The Clippers were not willing to include Terrence Mann, so it was really you're either holding out for. Waiting for the Sixers to take one, which Darrell wasn't going to do, or going to get a second one. And ultimately, in the last few days, they decided to go out and get that second one. I think that's because, you know, you're out there in Los Angeles. When I was out there uh, a couple of weeks ago when they played Denver, those back-to-back games in L.A., like you talk to people around the Clippers, and like, they're comfortable with who they are. They know they're really good if they're healthy, but I don't think they were fully comfortable at the point guard position. I mean... You know, they wanted Damien, they wanted some guys, they wanted Harden for a while. They wanted um, they wanted Holiday. Drew Holiday really bad. Drew Holiday was the guy they really wanted. Like that, like they were envisioning, some of them out there were envisioning a three-prong defensive attack of Drew Holiday, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. How do you score on that on the perimeter? That's three elite defensive players. I think they were lukewarmish on Malcolm Brogdon, but they they might have revisited it if the Harden deal completely fell apart. But they needed somebody. They wanted somebody. And for whatever reason, they believed that James Harden was the right fit for that team. And, and I, I can understand why you would expect to get the best out of James Harden, because this is all about self-preservation now for James Harden. Like all the stuff about James Harden wanting to play in L.A. and be back home and you know win a championship with the Clippers. Come on. We, we all know why he wants to go to the Clippers. The Clippers present him with the best opportunity to get a long-term deal. They are motivated to win championships over the next couple of years. Steve Ballmer has the deepest pockets in the NBA. A lot of owners with deep pockets. Steve Ballmer could buy almost all of them. Like, this, he has got more money than he knows what to do with. Next fall, they're going into a brand-new building, and they want stars in that building. James Harden knows that this is where his bread is going to get buttered. All he has to do is be a team player this year, be a – not a role player because he's too good for that, but someone that kind of fits in alongside Kawhi and alongside Paul George. And to James Harden's credit, he did that early on in Philadelphia. Like he came over from Brooklyn and he wasn't trying to be, you know, Houston James Harden or even Brooklyn James Harden. He was playmaker first, James Harden. He tailored his game to try to make that team successful. And frankly, look, however it all played out, he did give up money so that the Sixers could go out and sign other guys uh, and notably PJ Tucker in free agency. So, I, I think the Clippers should feel reasonably good about getting the best out of Harden. The question I have been, we've seen the Harden Russell Westbrook song before. <laughs> this is not right. something that would we'll be like, wow, I wonder how it's going to work. We saw how it's going to work. It worked great in Oklahoma City when Harden was a sixth man and it was a different environment then. But in Houston, it did not work, they did not succeed. Now, They didn't have Paul George there at that time. They didn't have Kawhi Leonard there at that time. So there's some new pieces in play. But do you think this has got a chance to to work itself out? Or is this the kind of situation where Russ, who has been playing pretty well, like, you know, he he seems to have found a niche uh, in Los Angeles, a situation where Russ is going to find himself potentially in a bad spot once again? Well, I think he's going to come
3: out with the short end of the stick here. But in terms of the fit with the, the Clippers star players, right, the reason why you overpay is because the thing that Clippers have been missing on offense for years is an organizer, a guy who can kind of just bring the ball up the court, get Kawhi Leonard to his spots, keep the, the pressure of being the ball handler and the playmaker off of Paul George. They've had incredible turnover problems when Paul George has kind of been this de facto point guard. They can't even get into stuff because he's throwing the ball all over the court. He doesn't have to worry about that now. He's going to get a lot of catch-and-shoot open threes. A lot of Paul George's game now is jumper-dependent, and James Harden's going to be able to find him. I do think it's going to be more of a point guard James Harden like he sacrificed in Philly, and at times, frankly, he sacrificed in Brooklyn, too. He is a very versatile and adaptable player when he wants to be, when his heart is in it, when he's motivated to fit in with the guys around him. And and Kawhi is going to be able to pick his spots a little bit better. Um, I think also when those two stars are injured, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, because they always miss time, James Harden's shown the ability to be one of those guys who just picks up the bird and steps up as a scorer and kind of can carry you through those lulls. So I think it's going to be very helpful for a number of reasons with those stars. And that's why you overpay if you're the Clippers. But the Westbrook factor is tricky, right? Because even Oklahoma City, it was great for a couple of years. But what happened? Harden wanted more, right? And Westbrook really wasn't able to kind of, you know, accommodate him. They weren't going to be able to start him at the same time. So that's why he gets traded to Houston. Everything blows up so bad in Houston that not only did Harden leave, Westbrook leave, Daryl Morey left too. Everybody got out of town because the playoffs went so poorly in 2020, right? And so... Now you've got Russell Westbrook. He's kind of settled home, comfortable uh, with the Clippers after a really tough stretch with the Lakers, and it kind of feels like Harden's crashing on his couch. He's going to be raiding his refrigerator a little bit. He's going to be marginalizing him on the court, and I think that Westbrook's going to wind up uh, being the one who has to sacrifice a lot, and I think it's probably not going to come in the starting lineup. You could probably just start those guys together, but when they're closing games, when they're looking for their best five-man lineups, it's probably not going to include Russell Westbrook anymore. And that's going to be tough. You know, we've seen Chris Paul and some of these other aging guys struggle with changing roles, right? Like I'm no longer a starter. I'm no longer this. And I think it's going to be one more adjustment for Westbrook and uh, we'll see how he uh, adapts, but we know Harden's not going to be sacrificing. He's going to want to be out there at the big moment. So there's there's going to be problems. So uh, good luck, Ty Lou. I think that's probably uh, our our side off message on that one.
1: Yeah. uh, That, that, uh, there's like four isolation players out there at one time. Right, they've, they've got the heaviest isolation offense, or at least guys that play isolation offense in the NBA. That's going to be a real challenge uh, for Tyloo. Before I let you go, that LeBron picture that made the rounds last yeah. week, Yeah, you took that, correct? I took it from
3: my seat. Um, it was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing, like in the closing seconds. But I just saw him sprinting, and I was like, "What the heck? Let's just snap it." I took like five shots, and the one where he's peaking, like just completely off the court. It does look fake, but I can promise you, Chris, that's a real photo. No doctors, you know, no, nothing, no funny stuff. No AI. Don't worry about it. That's just LeBron, you know, a, a year 21, as they say, just getting high off the court with everybody looking at him.
1: And LeBron reposted. He's got like 40 million followers. <laughs> no credit to Ben Goliver. Come <laughs> Man, on. You got to tell him that. Next time you're in LA, you got to tell him that. That's my picture. Can I get a photo credit?
3: Look, we've all been living off LeBron for like 15, 20 years at the NBA. could have that. He could have that one for free, Chris. But uh, it's amazing how many people called me and and texted me to say the same thing. Where's your credit? It's like I didn't realize this was the new passion project of the Internet. But I'm glad because photographers, uh, you know, it's a tough job. And uh, you want to get your due.
1: I love it. I love it. Ben Golubber, follow him on social media. You can see stuff like that picture of LeBron James. Read his stuff uh, in the Washington Post. Ben, good to catch up, man
3: always good to see you chris i can't help but think that you moved to la and that's why Harden's is trying to follow your lead
0: man everybody's coming to la now it's
1: the place to be i guess
0: it's freddie prince jr and jeff died back in the ring wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season hey jeff